0: Hey everyone, welcome to Neighbor Science, the only podcast about political economy and anime. I'm Ryan Salisbury, and with me today I have a a cyber brain that I have fed information from past episodes of the show, and it has come up with a composite uh, personality to help me host the show, since uh, both Peter and and Chris are gone. Um, So, hi, composite host. Hello this is your composite host
1: (laughs) i can't do it i can't do it i can't do it i can't keep a straight face or can i uh
0: so we uh we got peter today um peter wanted to do an episode on ghost in the shell so what uh what prompted you to do that
1: um yeah so with with Lockdown stuff and everything, I've I've um, been sitting and binging a whole bunch of torrents, and one of the torrents that dropped a few weeks ago was the latest iteration of Ghost in the Shell, uh, Ghost in the Shell SAC 2045. Um,
0: Which, despite watching uh, every yeah. anime, I surprisingly haven't watched yet. So Peter's ahead of me on yeah, this one. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> For once in my life, I'm the head <laughs> of Ryan on anime, and it is, I'm not going to lie to you, it is a thrilling feeling.
0: I've been too busy watching every single isekai anime, and Kamino To, and Ascendance of a Bookworm. so
1: Yeah, there's no need to lord it over me. But I did watch eight like, episodes of
0: <laughs> Ghost in the Shell Standalone <laughs> Complex, so I'm not totally uh, free from sin? I don't know. i love that that's a question
1: okay so uh yeah i wanted to do a little bit of a deep dive into not the not the storyline of ghost in the shell but the the larger world of of ghost in the shell um because in watching everything it starts off the do i need to give a spoiler warning no. Does anyone care enough about the new one to, to like hack us and murder us in our sleep? I think everyone that listens
0: knows that we spoil everything and don't warn anyone about it.
1: Awesome. I love that. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, in the latest um, iteration of ghost in the shell, you've got uh, it's fast forwarded um, about 15, 10, 15 years into the future Is it actually in
0: 2045?
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, well, uh, more like 2046-ish. 2045. Oh, well, okay. Uh, Jeez. Sorry, late 45, I apologize for being so off. (laughs) So yeah,
0: that that would be 16 years after a standalone complex, which is in 2030.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah. uh, And basically what has happened is... The, the world has gone to absolute hell in a, in a handbasket. It's just, it's shit. Mm -hmm. Everything is shit. There has been what is referred to as the, um, the
0: global simultaneous default.
1: That's right. The global simultaneous default. And basically, um, because of this, there's a, there's a massive push to, uh, improve on the, the state of all um, AI. And AI basically gets out of control and it's up to Major Kusanagi and Bato and everyone to uh, bring everything back under control. Okay. And so what got me interested was obviously um, with our history of, of looking at political economy in anime, here we have the almost ideal situation to assess with a global simultaneous default and what then results in what is known in, within the, the series as sustainable war. Um, now, when I first brought this up to, uh, uh to Ryan, he was like, uh, well, I hope this means, um, like Green New Deal, Elizabeth Warren, um, kind of war. <laughs>
0: Yeah, if you corrected me on that, I I have since forgotten because there was nothing under the sustainable war heading. Um, when I when I was adding yeah, to the no, notes yesterday, so I changed it because I was like, oh well, there's sustainable capitalism stuff and standalone complex. I could talk about that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, no, well, um, I didn't expand on the sustainable wars uh, stuff, but I did, um. Uh, I did look, obviously watch the series and I got a better understanding of what's going on. And what they're basically saying is that because the global economy is in a state of collapse as AI takes over everything, um, the the big four nations, which are the, the, the last remnants of the world uh, powerhouses that haven't balkanized, um, are now... In a never ending war that is pretty much the only thing that keeps the global economy going, according to the, the, the mythos of Ghost in the Shell. Now, um, setting aside the realism of a, of a situation like that, whether, whether that's actually a thing that could happen, I don't think it is. But setting that aside, that's, that's what got me interested in doing this episode. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Um, now, just to be clear, the world of Ghost in the Shell is not a single coherent whole. Um, instead, we see various iterations with timelines that overlap and contradict each other. But I don't think that this really affects our ability to broadly analyze the, the Ghost in the Shell universe and the power dynamics within it. Um, the various stories uh, presented offer a relatively coherent thematic premise. Um, anyone who's watched Ghost in the Shell will, will understand that what they're driving at is, uh, geared towards human consciousness and the, that dividing line between what makes us, uh, human and what makes us cybernetic. An anime and,
0: fan? Oh, okay. And An
1: anime fan, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, I actually think that Ghost in the Shell is, um, Probably the most in-depth look at the, the ancient Greek problem, um, of Theseus's ship. Are you familiar yeah. with that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, uh, for me, that's, that's essentially the, cu- the kernel of what makes Ghost in the Shell is looking at if I replace everything in the human body, is it still that person? Right. And
0: um, the, I think I've made a joke about the, that on the show before, but I don't remember what it was in reference to.
1: Yeah. yeah, And, and also anything prior to right now doesn't exist. So uh-huh. that's yeah, true. We're just going to forget that you've made any jokes in the past because let's face it, you're not that funny to begin. with. If
0: by. you replace every moment in time with your reality bending powers, uh, is it still the reality that you started with?
1: Well, if it's me doing it, yes, <laughs> I, I I am that powerful. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Before we go on off on one of our famous sidetracks, um, I just want to I just want to make a note of the fact that a, a lot of the history that I've um, used for my research actually comes predominantly from the manga, um, not from the anime itself, uh, because the anime. Uh, alludes to some of the things that have happened in the past, but uh, very rarely is it is it explicitly put out. Whereas the original manga, my God, there's a lot of text. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not it tends even to be kidding. a big thing I had with manga. Idea.
0: <laughs> they do a lot of no, text no, stuff.
1: No, no, not tech text. Yeah, as in, as in, no, I, I, like. I, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to describe this adequately. Um the the manga specifically focuses on explaining technical details, political situations, the history of uh, of certain decisions, the power dynamics, everything in like it takes up half the page in most cases. It's insanely text-based. It's one of the things that allowed for the first movie to be so Uh, richly developed the way that it was. I mean, they didn't just take... Well, some of us, Peter, have read
0: Five Star Stories, which has a 10,000-year timeline in every issue.
1: (laughs) Okay, well, as far as I'm concerned, uh, there's no difference between most manga and a standard DC comic book. So... (laughs) Uh, Okay, yeah, so... Essentially, everything that I... Um, ended up looking at uh, because I wasn't going to sit and watch um, standalone complex again on top of watching standalone complex twenty forty five. You're just um, not dedicated enough. I'm not. <laughs> I, I really am not. I'm not going to lie about that at all. <laughs> um, yeah. So most of it's drawn from the manga, and um, I just want to say straight up. For anyone who is wondering, should they, should they not watch this latest um, incarnation of of Ghost in the Shell, go for it. It's nowhere near as bad as the um, Scarlett Johansson uh, abomination. Um, And also, I would just like to say that from now on, besides that one mention, I would appreciate it if we never, ever, 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 ever mention that it even exists ever
0: again. (laughs) No problem.
1: <laughs> okay, cool. Still haven't watched it. Okay, so, so shall we? Good, good. Don't, don't. Watched what? I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know either. Um, yeah. So shall I just take a very quick look at the at the history at the timeline of everything?
0: Yeah, go for it, man.
1: So. In 1991, within the Ghost in the Shell universe now, everything, all the dates that I'm giving now, all the years, because I'm not going into specific dates, um, all the years now are within the Ghost in the Shell universe. Um, from 1991 onwards, that's where the Ghost in the Shell universe and regular old history, um, depart from one another. Um, so, 91, Russia returns, uh, the four Kuril Islands. Kuril? Kuril? Kuril. I don't know how to say it? I don't know. I assume you say it like a <laughs> um, Russian
0: guy. Uh,
1: which includes Etorofu and Iturup. So um, the Coral Islands is actually a real dispute, and it's actually still ongoing. Um, we won't get into the, the, the details here, because it actually is a, tante- uh, it's a tangential issue that never gets fully explained or discussed in the uh, Ghost in the Shell universe. But it is worth noting that this is the point from which we can see divergence uh, between their timeline, and the real world. Then, jumping ahead to ninety nine, uh, Beijing gets struck by a meteor, uh, which brings an end to the Communist Party. I'm not sure how. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that the worst to enemies the of the Communist Party,
0: fascists and meteors. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, that ends up leading to the reunification of Taiwan and China. Now, from my perspective that says a lot more about the author's uh, views on on politics mm-hmm. and economics and everything than it does about reality. Um I don't think there's much nuance in the understanding of communism but as we can see throughout the show uh there is quite a bit of focus on capitalism as they understand it. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah I noticed the same thing in Stand Alone Complex, because there is a character that's supposed to be a, quote, ultra-left uh, activist. And uh, they don't seem to have a solid understanding of left-wing politics. But they're, yeah. they're definitely not... Yeah, I don't think they're fascist, because they don't just view them as, like, you know, an evil piece of shit, like, mass-murdering mm-hmm. psycho. It, it's like a kind of a liberal's view of, of a leftist, like a misguided, like overly preachy type of guy. You know.
1: Ah, uh, I see. So, so, but I mean, that was probably the show leftist, creators
0: and not necessarily, yeah, uh, Masumune Shiro.
1: Yeah. Um, now,
0: again, this is obviously it's
1: tangential. I just thought it was really interesting that the Communist Party could be. Um, destroyed by a (laughs) 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 meteorite invasion
0: oh and and, um um, just uh because i was wondering the manga the original run is from april 1989 to november 1990 so that's why the timeline starts in 91
1: yeah and that also explains the very um anti-communist kind of Mm -hmm. almost setting that we get to see here so, um jumping um to the early 2000s, you then have World War 3, uh which it's unclear but it possibly ends by about 2002. Um the story never explains the the cause of the war, like what started it. Um but it is made very clear obviously that it's a global nuclear war with multiple cities getting the nuke treatment. Um the war involves mostly wealthy developed nations, obviously because these are the ones that actually have um, access to nukes, um, and it most heavily affects America and China, with Eurasia obviously also taking some sub- substantial damage. Um, Tokyo gets nuked.
0: I hope it's like um, Ai Weiwei assassinates George Bush. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh god, that would be so much fun. <laughs> Someone needs to do that as an actual anime.
0: Oh, I was gonna. Yeah. I thought you meant someone needs to do that. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't have to be no, Ai no, Wei way. No.
1: no, no, I don't need to. I don't, and, and I'm not here to advocate um, violence that people very clearly deserve. Um, but yeah, if someone were to do that, I'm not saying, I'm not saying don't do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just, you know. Follow your instincts. Obey your thirst. <laughs> okay, um, so Tokyo also gets nuked, uh, which results not in the fall of the, of, of the um, Japanese economic and political model, <laughs> uh, but they move the capital to Fu- Fukuoka, um, which is weird to me because apparently a meteor can end the Communist Party, but a nuke... In Tokyo, somehow doesn't end the Japanese capitalist system.
0: Yeah, and I think if a new uh, a meteor hit China, it would pretty severely affect Japan.
1: Yes, yes, it would, very, very severely. <laughs> okay, um, now the reason that uh, the the capitalists moved from Tokyo to Fukuoka is because uh, Tokyo after being nuked, suddenly starts sinking below sea level. Apparently it got punctured and it, it just deflated and it sank into the pool. Um, but because Japan never uh, really committed its mil- military forces to the war, um, because of Article 9 of the Japanese Constitution, um, they come out of World War III pretty much unscathed except for a nuke or two. Which which obviously they, they've got more experience with than anyone else and, <laughs> yeah. and know how to uh, bounce back from um, now as a result of the war the global geopolitical landscape has become heavily balkanized uh, by this I mean that even formerly strong first world countries like the United States are divided into smaller less stable competitors Um the uh the America specifically uh, forms the uh American Empire. Um the there's a Russian American uh set of Balkanized uh state states. I bet it's led by British freaking
0: Europe. Donald Trump too.
1: <laughs> Donald Trump and uh, and
0: Putin his boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs>
2: because they're the gay together.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but I mean <laughs> they like butt be? sex. They I've like seen... having
0: sex with each other cuz they're gay.
1: I've seen I've <laughs> seen that picture of of Putin on the horse w- w- without the shirt and and I'm not going to lie, if I weren't married. <laughs> mm, mm. So yeah, uh so now you've got a world that's basically split up into these micronations of sorts. And, um, everywhere you got, look, it's just civil wars breaking out and non-state revolutionary movements, which pose like a constant security threat worldwide. Hell yeah. And there's millions of refugees displaced by the, uh, uh the, uh, all of this fighting and it actually becomes a major problem. Who would have thought? Get um, it.
0: Cause, cause the majors yeah. a character. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh my God, did you just make a dad joke? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, Ryan. I'm so proud of you. God, now I want to go to the States just to give you a hug, if only they weren't to travel back. Um Okay, so then in... Um, oh, uh, the North American continent, like I said, is now dominated, but not entirely under the jurisdiction of the American Empire, uh, which... In interestingly competed bitterly with the state of mexico for land and resources south of the former borders of the united states um
0: i hope mexico got a little so, get back there
1: oh dude you don't even know <laughs> by the end of it all mexico uh, they they absolutely pummel the uh, the american empire nice like nice pummel them um anyway so a year after the supposed end of the, of World War III, Major Kusanagi is born. Um, and it's worth interesting, or it, it's worth noting and interesting that by the year 2009, she's fully cyberized. So she was fully cyberized from the age of six, which is a very interesting move, um, by the author. Yeah, they, keep the they talk about that in the
0: I, series um, Yeah, because she, I think she got in a car accident and yeah. lost, she was paralyzed from like the neck down and she was one of the first uh, people who got full body cyberization.
1: Now, one of the reasons that I thought that this was interesting is because of um, elongated muskrat. And his investment in, I think it's called Linksys. Or,
0: or Uplink, That's a router company.
1: Or, yeah, no, I can't remember now what the company's name is, but they're busy working on brain implant technologies mm. that are supposed to help um, people with locked-in syndrome, people with um, major uh, physical... Neuralink, that's it. Ah, um, Yeah, so essentially he's trying to develop the first Matrix plug um, which I'm not sure how many people are going to go for it. Obviously all the Elon Musk fanboys are going to be first to line up and be like, I want one, I want
0: one. Yeah, it's going to be um, like a brain slug.
1: Yeah. And look... In the same way that in the series, Major Kusanagi, as, um, as a medical case, is, uh, is, is fully cyberized by the time she's six, um, the idea is that these technologies are first introduced as necessary for medical interventions in the same way that Neuralink is aiming to do, which is why I've made that as a, a point here. Okay, uh, jumping ahead to 2015, and Java- Japan develops microtechnology capable of scrubbing radiation from the environment. I'm not sure how they would do this, and if I did, I would develop it, and um, apparently I would become a, a world superpower.
0: I know how to do not it. I just, super- you know, I don't really want to.
1: Yeah, no, fair enough. I mean, who wants who wants that?
0: Yeah. Because if you could, anyway, then, so, you know, you would have, like, Fukushima's and all that sort of stuff, like, all the time. People <laughs> would just be like, ah, who yeah. cares? We can just get radiation everywhere. doesn't matter.
1: But on the other side, um, it would also lead to a shift in the global balance of power like it does in the Ghost in the Shell universe because it reduces the threat of f- nuclear fallout and thus oh, on reduces the... Other the hand,
0: th- World power this
1: might be nice. Of nuclear weapons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, come on. Look <laughs> at Japan. They're sitting pretty. Um, yeah. So Japan now leverages this new technology that they've uh, dubbed the Japanese miracle, um, to escalate its global superiority while nations that depend on the threat of nuclear weapons are heavily undermined. Uh, the result of this newfound power and the dwindling influence of the now American Empire um, is that Japan enters into a security pact with the American Empire, uh, and the pact is is actually like it's brought up by the American Empire specifically to gain access to the Japanese miracle. You know, they want to be the first ally of of the new world superpower. Um, and then straight away it breaks out into World War Four. Now, <laughs> World War Four is a non-nuclear war that broke out in the Vietnam region, um, also known as the Second Vietnam War, uh, which then deadlocked Europe and Asia in a war of attrition by 2020. Um, Japan, with their new security pact with uh, the American Empire, are not permitted to deploy their military outside of Japan. So, again, they take no part in the war which allows them to come out on top once again by the time the war is
0: over. So now that's kind of weird yeah. that um Japan is supposed to be like the lead the lead in this relationship. Like they develop this miracle technology and the US comes to them for uh an alliance. And then yeah. is it I mean, Japan and the American Empire aren't fighting each other in World War IV, right? So, no, no. So why, no. why does the U.S. have an unequal treaty with Japan, like after World War II, too, where Japan was the aggressor? That's very strange.
1: Um, I, yeah, I think what he's getting at here is that um, the American Empire still is very influential in the U.N. at this stage. Ah. Uh, the, U- the U.N. is still a thing. So neither America nor Japan are actually heavily involved in World War Four. It's more about it being between various Asian nations, as well as between Asia and Europe, okay. and and yeah. Uh, so he's basically setting up the decline of everyone that isn't Japan. Gotcha. Um, but so that by the time uh, Ghost in the Shell gets started we understand why Japan is the most important country in the world. Okay? So that one's cool? Yeah. Now, moving on to 2020, um, just to note there's a little bit of an overlap here. World War IV takes place between 2015 and 2024. In 2020, the Mexican War starts. Now, this is when the American Empire attempts to gain control of Mexico and most of Latin South America um, I would argue the that the Mexican Empire.
0: War started in 1989 when uh, Ronald Reagan <laughs> oh. started the
1: war on drugs. Yeah, but Boom. I mean that's that's two years that's two years before the start of the divergence in timelines. So I don't think he actually knew too much about that at the time.
0: Yeah, that's probably so true. I'll
1: forgive him that. Yeah. Um, so yeah. In the Ghost in the Shell universe, uh, the American Empire calls for the deployment of UN troops under the pretext of overthrowing the corrupt Mexican and other Southern American governments. Uh, Where have I heard that before? Um,
0: Uh, About 50 times in the last 50 years.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. It's all coming back (laughs) to me now. Um, Now, through carpet bombing, mechanized troops, and wartime atrocities uh which actually gets like really heavy and horrible. Um the combined US for uh UN forces moved through the regions to sweep up the remaining guerrillas. During this time, hundreds of mercenary groups surfaced throughout the war torn Central and South American regions, um which is populated by the remnants of armies once connected to nations that no longer exist. Um also During this time, there were several unofficial operations that involved Japanese UN troops. Now, that's interesting, because now we're seeing that Japan doesn't, its own military doesn't get involved. But Japan, as part of the UN, has to commit a certain number of troops to UN peacekeeping forces, and thus uh, they can get involved with wars as long as it's through the UN. Um, Now, in 2024, you finally get the Korean Peninsula War. Uh, which is when war broke out between North and South Korea, leading to reunification. I'm not sure how this works. You know, uh, 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 at the end of the war, everyone calls a truce and, oh, we should reunite. Um, I don't think, I don't think, since war is what originally separated North and South Korea, I don't think war is what's going to bring it back together.
0: Yeah, that sounds like what uh, you're thinking, but, mostly.
1: Yeah. But again, for the convenience of the storyline leading up to the start of everything, let's assume that this is actually how things work. Um, now, the American Empire calls for UN deployment of troops to keep the peace, and the last remnants of Korea's people are uh, Korea People's Army um, is subdued by UN for- forces, which in- again includes Japanese forces. So that's a quick summary of all the geopolitical actions that lead up to the start of Ghost in the Shell. Um, There are other smaller details that I've deliberately left out, and there's other stuff that I haven't noticed or paid attention to, but these are the major things. So now we have an understanding of just how shitty the world is by the time Ghost in the Shell gets
0: started. I think you can see, I mean, the, the series is not very good, but in Arise uh there is at least one episode where they show some stuff from World War four, which uh the major and bato uh were both involved in and um oh yeah, it's where they introduce um is it yeah Saito um yeah he's a sniper on the enemy side and uh yeah that was uh that was definitely my favorite episode of that series um so that, that one is worth checking out, I think. But the other episodes are pretty bad.
1: <laughs> okay. So um, Ghost of Michelle tends to focus more on power being in the hands of nation states and, and geopolitical powers uh, globally than on the, the influence of corporations or individuals. But obviously this doesn't mean that corporations are not heavily influential. Um, also individuals, such as the major um, and her entire team at section nine as well as the other sections um they clearly play extremely powerful parts in influencing the um universe of ghost in the shell um and the the outcomes of pivotal moments within the power struggles uh, are obviously very heavily influenced by them so yeah i mean it's I difficult would, for uh, me to I say think
0: I'm, i think i'm going to disagree a little bit i think that uh the Ghost in the Shell, I mean, at least standalone complex, um, but I th- I think also the movie shows a lot of power in the hands of corporations. And um, unlike just about any police procedural, like on Western television, um, shows a lot of corruption in the state, uh, you know, like... The chief, uh, or the sorry, the superintendent general of the Nihama Prefectural Police in Standalone Complex, um, is like helping uh, Serrano Genomics by uh, planting uh, surveillance devices on officers that are investigating uh, a high-profile crime that involves Serrano and. Uh, a reporter points out that he is about to retire and move to Holland where Serrano Genomics is headquartered so there's like all sorts of stuff where there's like you know the revolving door between uh the government and corporations there's you know corporations acting as uh like government uh um agents do like you know uh corporations are like carrying out assassinations and stuff like that They're pressuring politicians to pass laws favorable to them. Um, It's actually, I think, a really sober look at how the state works in practice compared to, um, you know, like an American police procedural where the police are like all by themselves. And at, at worst, there's like a dirty cop or two that, you know, partners with a gang who are, you know, just pure evil Killers who sell heroin to four-year-olds, and um, the dirty cops do it just for themselves, um, and there's no involvement between the police and corporations or anything like that.
1: Okay, okay, fair. I think, um, like, what I'm getting at here is the the influence and crime committed by corporations. Uh, isn't really focused on by the the sections of government as depicted in Ghost in the Shell. the The people holding corporations to task are the Laughing Man, um, the 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 various terrorist groups. the It's it's the common man that holds corporations responsible. While the the governments are the ones that are depicted as having most of the power within the universe. If that makes sense. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I did, I did some digging into the various corporations, but I think it would be pretty boring to go through all of them and what they do.
0: Um, I don't think it would be that boring. There's a... Uh... You know, there's a lot of them. We can skip over a few. But uh, there's definitely some interesting stuff in there. Because yeah, a lot like, of the... Stuff like hunka uh, uh, It's, again, like a pretty sober look at, at the stuff. So you can we can, but just by talking about it, see a lot of the corruption and... Um, what's it called? Like the sabotage sort of things that they do.
1: Fair, fair. Okay. So um, some of the major ones that we've got here... Um, I'll just start at the top, and if we want to skip over something, we will. Um, the Genesis andros company, um, they're an Android manufacturer. Uh, many of their models have been illegally modified. Uh, basically they they um, they sell it
0: They sell uh, androids that are giant heads floating in space um, that you have to fight in your R wing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you're gonna get yeah. that one. Uh, that, <laughs> That's a Star Fox joke. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> the the main villain of Star Fox is named Andross. That's
1: yeah. Ah, okay. Now <laughs> it all makes sense. Ah, you see, I told you. I, I I'm just not committed enough to hold my own in deep conversations <laughs> involving anime. <laughs> God damn it! I need and and I, I need to get less of a life. Um.
0: Hey, wait. Hold on.
1: Okay. <laughs> yeah you laughed it's over and done now buddy um okay so basically they make a lot of the love dolls uh as it's referred to um but their androids committed mass suicide in episode 103
0: yeah standalone complex uh episode 103 is all about um someone who writes a virus that causes their one of their models of android to commit mass suicide Um, which is like there's something
1: deep there but i i'm fucked if i can philosophically figure it out
0: well it was weird because so the person who did it was the son of a canadian ambassador um, who stayed in japan to avoid the draft which uh i'm not sure what world what war that would be maybe the mexican war no, because it was twenty thirty um but anyway, so uh yeah, he did it to because he had a Jerry model that was the model uh, that was affected. He had a Jerry model that he was like in love with, and he wanted her to be the most unique Android in the world, so he wrote a virus so that all the other Jerrys would kill themselves so that he would have the only one <laughs> pretty weird. <laughs> <laughs> wow and she ends up breaking wow, up with him yeah. at the end of the episode which uh pretty sad conclusion
1: is that is that like that that one rich white lady that i was sitting next to on the bus at the bus stop back in south africa is she a, and yes, an, rich, an android rich white ladies do take um the bus sometimes no she was she was sitting there and um, she literally prayed out loud, like, Dear Lord, if you can't make me thin, please make all my friends fat.
0: <laughs> I yes, think it is, is like that. <laughs> situ-
1: yes, it is. It is. Okay. Um, moving so I, on. I guess the
0: philosophical uh, lesson is that uh, not even robots can be programmed to love Canadians.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: wow. Wow. I know that I know that at least Abdul would laugh at that uh, because uh, we were just talking about on a a recent episode how uh, anime never portrays Canadians as like douchebags, which is what they actually are. (laughs) So I think it'll be well received. Canadians have a good sense of humor. That's their only their only good point.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they'll definitely have a good one. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) Um, moving on. Hunker Precision Instruments is an AI robot manufacturer. Um now they were caught in a scandal where they were dubbing the ghosts of children into a robot known as the Tomliand prototype um in order to achieve a greater sense of human personality. Now that is that that's as fucked up as it sounds.
0: Is this from it's, it's Ghost t- in the Shell 2?
1: I think so, I yes. I think, yeah. It's That sounds like the plot of it. Because, no, no, but wait now, because this is also done by a company called Locus Solus.
0: Oh, um, Locus Solus is the one from Ghost in the Shelter. Yeah, too. yeah. Hanka's yeah.
1: the one that did it the first time round. and what happens is their robots start going berserk, uh which means um their plot eventually gets found out and their president gets arrested. Uh, yay, government doing this job. <laughs> um, But yeah, then later on, Locus Solus gets it done, um, and they've got like the they've got the Hadali um droids, which they offer pre modified, whatever that means. Um
0: That means they are already sex bots.
1: Yeah, they're already programmed to sex you real good. Um and by that I do mean uh lift your your genitals to see what your sex is um <laughs> sorry why don't we have a robot a to do s- that you know like i'd like to know what my sex is based on uh, an android lifting my junk to see <laughs> what's going on you know what i mean yeah um anyway so locus solus uh they they've got all of these really advanced uh, droids that are just um, insanely good, but it turns out that they had improved on the hanka uh, technique, and their dubbing goes illegally into dolls as well. Um, but also because when 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 they do it uh, better, when it goes wrong, it goes way wrong. Their their dolls go berserk and kill their masters. Yes, I kind of like I kind of like these these bots. I I feel like I would be supporting the bots in all of this.
0: Um, yeah, they are definitely uh, you definitely sympathize with them in Ghost in the Shell too.
1: Now, one of the interesting things about Locus Solus is they um, move they shift all of their production onto a multinational ship, which is anchored far off of Japan's waters into international waters so that they can completely avoid uh decency regulations and and uh, not violate customs that people find morally reprehensible.
0: Yeah, they um they were originally if i remember correctly originally headquartered in um this city that is uh at the time of the movie is like a ghost city. Um so it's full of these like extremely massive skysc- skyscrapers that are all empty. And, um, I actually intended to talk about them during the episode about, um, investment properties. Um, but I forgot. So,
1: yeah. Um, Ryan actually has a side job selling investment properties, um, <laughs> in gigantic ghost cities, uh, from anime worlds. um, to get your real estate license call. for shits and gigs <laughs> 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 um, yeah so locus Solus, very evil corp hunker also very evil corp but not quite as evil as locus Solus because locus Solus works on a cool ash ship out in international waters <laughs> um, yeah. And they're basically uh, they-
0: manufacturing pedophilia sort of
1: Exactly. You get to have sex with the the consciousness of a child that's been programmed into a, a sex android slave,
0: with a really mostly adult life. body. I guess. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Although, barely.
0: Ate,
1: uh, barely legal. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um. Fuck. Okay, so. Um, side tangent uh, Megatech uh, is a cybernetic and AI manufacturer now they're responsible for all the bodies used by section 9 specifically which means uh, the government still does the whole thing of um, putting out tender contracts and giving all the work to a single company which makes me say uh, there's some something smelly going on there but I couldn't find out any more information on Megatech other than just that one little tidbit.
0: Yeah, I don't have anything to add because I only managed to watch nine episodes.
1: Oh, so now it's nine. Yeah, yeah, I because it I, saw, you said it was eight, I nine, saw that uh, Jungle Cruise Soon was episode one, uh,
0: 10 and that was the next one that I was going to watch. So.
1: Uh, uh. Ryan, the the gig is... What are you, a cop? We we know that you do nothing... (laughs) Worrying about my story changing? (laughs) We we know that you do nothing but watch Ghost in the Shell 24 hours a day. It's probably playing right now in the background. You've just had to turn down the... I mean,
0: that's accurate, but I only started at 6.30 yesterday, so...
1: (laughs) Wait, you did all eight episodes since 6.30 yesterday?
0: Yeah, nine. And then I watched the last episode right before we started
1: keeping it fresh
0: yes that was the goal because <laughs> i haven't watched it since like 2013 or whatever so i wanted to like had some knowledge going in i like to be prepared
1: and and anyone who knows ryan knows that 15 minutes after anything has happened he's already forgotten mm-hmm. um, uh, that's right yeah, he's a real dory <laughs> Which is why we constantly have to remind them to, to put out episodes. Uh, otherwise, it doesn't happen.
0: Yep. It's true.
1: Okay. Um, there's the Poseidon Industrial Corporation. Um, they're a cyber and microtech manufacturer. They are the ones responsible for creating the Japanese miracle um, the microtech that scrubs radiation from the environment.
0: I, I could suspend yeah. my disbelief before when they were like, oh, yeah, we invented technology to scrub radiation. Sure, but uh, it was invented by a corporation? Sorry, not believable.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, look, obviously the government had an R&D program that was sponsored by taxpayers, and um, once that proved successful, uh, the Poseidon Industrial Corp would have purchased that patent and um, claimed it as their own discovery. Um, that's, That's genuinely how things work in the real world.
0: Yep. So I I think I remember something about the scandal they're involved in, um, if I remember correct. They are uh, getting refugees that don't have uh, cyborg bodies, which are vulnerable to radiation, to scrub radiation from the environment, which is basically killing them. Is that right?
1: Something like that. I, th- I, think, I think so. Yeah. It's been a long time. Which which is very, very corporate, yeah. to be honest.
0: Yeah. Um, you know,
1: it's not like governments like Japan who who call for volunteers to do this amongst the elderly.
0: Yeah. Um, I want to make sure we also we don't skip over Meditech, because I think that one's really yeah, yeah, interesting. No, no, I'm, okay.
1: Yeah, I'm getting to that because... Um, Meditech is actually uh, a subsidiary of Poseidon. Oh, okay. So Meditech... Actually, you take it. You take Meditech. Okay. Do it. Um,
0: it. So Meditech is a organ dealer. Um, So in the Ghost in the Shell world, uh, you can't clone a full person, but you can clone organs from them. And so what Meditech does is they take someone's DNA... And splice it into a pig and grow the organs in pigs, and then uh, use them as like replacement organs. Uh, so episode 108 of Standalone complex involves Meditech. Um, there are some like med students that are stealing the organs and selling them on the black market um, to make some extra bucks. And uh, yeah. Pretty, pretty interesting stuff. I think
1: I'm not sure if they if they covered it in the episode, but essentially Meditech also uh, manufactures the pigs. So they oh. they genetically modified a pig to be more robust and um, to increase the lifespan of the animal as much as possible, so that they can contract um, the organs. Because yeah, it, if if the customer doesn't use the organ, uh, the organ. Um, That's actually accurate, span.
0: inaccurate pronunciation because the CEO of the company is like this Texan carnival barker, so he would say "organ."
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm too immersed in the in the universe <laughs> right now. I need to breathe so that I can get back to the real world. Um, <laughs> organ, organ, or, or organ, organ, like organ. Yes. So, it's what we
0: call the yeah, Oregon Trail. <laughs> that's that's what the name is for the Oregon market that they uh, they sell your organs on.
1: Yeah, it's the Oregon Trail. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's actually the best joke we've made so far on the show, <laughs> and no one noticed. Um, right, followed very closely by Canada. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah. If you don't use up your um, organ before the pig dies, then Meditech can sell your organs on the open market.
0: Yes. Yeah. Which they'll find just... they'll find a willing buyer and and sell them your, your pancreas or whatever.
1: I really want a new pancreas, Meditech, please.
0: I want an extra Help pancreas. Why can't I have two?
1: I I don't think you. Um, I don't think the endocrine system works like you I think actually it does, don't know what a pancreas does. So <laughs> the pancreas is what creates insulin, and mine has stopped functioning, which is why I'm a type one diabetic.
0: See, if you had two, then you would have no problems. Exactly, but I don't want both in my
1: body at the same time. I want like a replacement one that sits in a pig that I can call Meredith.
0: Well, how are you going to use it if it's in a pig?
1: Well. Uh, slaughter meredith and eat some bacon
0: <laughs> the question is would that
1: be cannibalistic since parts of that animal are me
0: i'm gonna say yes but that's fine
1: well the cannibalism is fine but only if i'm wealthy
0: i mean i think the main problem with cannibalism is uh human meat is very toxic and you could get a pry on
1: I can get a what now?
0: A a prion. Which is what? It's a a brain disease. Oh, like mad cow disease. Like a little buggy that gets in your brain.
1: Yeah, it's, it's mad cow disease. Yeah. It's what happens when you feed cows to other cows.
0: Yes. Yeah, that's a prion disease, I'm pretty sure.
1: Yeah, okay. I'm with you now. Okay. Okay, so... Yeah, let's finish up here. Um Sagawa Electronics and Serrano Genomics, the last two that I'm going to cover. Sagawa is a massive corporate zaibatsu, which is just uh, the Japanese word for conglomerate um that has its hands in every piece of the corporate pie that they can.
0: Um Yeah, I think zaibatsu is some mid-sized specifically like has the connotation of it being like deeply connected to the government as well. Like for us, a conglomerate is just, you know, a company that's a bunch of companies glommed together. But I think a Zaibatsu is like, you know, directly involved in government activities, like has a lot of government contracts and stuff like that.
1: So, um, Sagawa Electronics was once a mid sized corporation who manufactured a variety of electronic goods, such as optics, cyberware, toasters. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually in the, in the description. Optics, cyberware, toasters. <laughs> um, uh, and that's until the Public Security Bureau stepped in during the war. At that point, a man named Kagaz- uh, Kagasaki, uh, who was the Minister of the Interior during the events of Standalone Complex, uh, used the corporation to get close to the, um, the Russian bases. I'm not sure, uh, 100% sure which Russian bases they're referring to here. Um, anyway, along the way, he embezzled enough money to launch the, Sa- uh, the Sagawa group, uh, into a prosperous future. Uh, Sagawa operates, um, a geo-front in Bertrave. I don't really understand what half of this stuff is, but I'm going to, to read it verbatim. Well if
0: <laughs> if it's the same thing as Evangelion at Geofront is like a big subterranean city.
1: Oh. Oh. I like that. Yeah. Anyway, Sagawa so Electronics was um a target of the laughing man during his uh terrorist spree at evil evil laughing man. <laughs>
0: You wouldn't be so evil if you weren't laughing so damn much.
1: Yeah, yeah. Come on. How <laughs> evil people laugh? <laughs>
2: um,
0: so we can skip the next two because they're pretty minor.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the last one is Serrano Genomics. Um, now, they, as you mentioned earlier, they're the, the primary company in the Laughing Man blackmail case. Mm-hmm. Um, and the CEO of Serrano was kidnapped and held for ransom. Uh Obviously, this then uh, marked the beginning of the, the blackmail spree. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Serrano pioneered the machine industry and was the first company to file a patent for um, the treatment of cyberbrain sclerosis, uh, which is actually quite a prevalent um, yeah, disease. I
0: think it's a disease where your cyberbrain hardens and yeah. yeah, you like basically experience brain death.
1: It's essentially the same thing as the pineal gland in the human <laughs> Calcifying. brain. Calcifying <laughs> because of too much fluoride in our toothpaste, Joe. <laughs> okay, yeah. So um Serrano received funds from the government to compensate for the loss of stock from the laughing man, which is interesting because almost everyone that the laughing man um blackmailed was given money except like one or two. I think it was implied
0: or maybe explained specifically because I didn't catch the one where they sort of like do the big reveal and everything. Um, But I I think they were implying that like the laughing man only did the first laughing man incident and the, um, the incident with the superintendent general of the police and all of those uh, suppose that other corporate blackmail events were corporations doing it to themselves so that they could create a pretense to get more money from the government.
1: Corporations are so clever and, <laughs> and good. They're just awesome. Um, yeah, so Serrano later admitted that the, patem- uh, the patent for their treatment for cyberbrain sclerosis was premature and that the micro machines they developed to treat the disease were ineffective. Um, and Serrano uh, the the CEO was assassinated before he was able to testify. Um, hmm. And also okay. for some reason their corporate headquarters are located in Holland. Yeah, and as you mentioned earlier, Serrano also produces the Interceptors, which are surveillance micro machines that were used on officers investigating the Laughing Man incident. So Serrano, very evil corp.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty Much sure they're top. also, uh, I think one of the top guys in Serrano was the person that assassinated Nanaue, um, ah. who was initially believed to be the Laughing Man. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, they only they only show him from like the the nose down, so I couldn't tell who it was. But I'm pretty sure it was one of the top guys because I saw him like walking. Where's your around facial in the recognition last
1: software,
2: yeah. <laughs>
1: was it blown up in your Beijing communism meteor strike? Huh?
0: <laughs> I I left it in my other body.
1: Ah, uh, you see now. <laughs> Got to keep better track of these things, buddy. Okay. So, moving on, that's corporations. now let's have a quick look at the government organizations i, I think what, we can what? mostly
0: i think we can mostly skip this over because i I didn't get much um out of it. Oh yeah, um, I'm looking at it now. you've done yeah, nothing I here think... buddy.
1: nothing Oh look at me. I wrote a sentence that's not enough. that's not research ryan <laughs> what the what was the eight hours? What was that for?
0: There's various <laughs> stuff around um I will mention the Home Affairs Ministry, which seems mostly interested in maintaining the public image of government organizations, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, that is interesting, because Home Affairs all over
1: the world is basically the place where you get your identity cards and your passports and marriage certificates. Oh, really?
0: Okay. Yeah. Well,
1: yeah. I only know about like, U.S. government. uh,
0: uh Organization Yeah, the
1: U.S. government and their exceptionalism is just weird. You guys do everything differently. <laughs> yeah, for Literally us, Home I Affairs is, is like, home affair.
0: you know, uh, putting uh, someone with the same name as a member of Al-Qaeda in Guantanamo Bay. That's what that ministry would do.
1: Right. Okay. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yours is a bit different to mine. Yeah. (laughs) Home Affairs back in South Africa is basically just a a bureaucratic office where you got to get some paperwork done. (laughs) What the Um, fuck, yo? (laughs) Another one we could mention,
0: uh, though, is uh, Section 6, which was in the first, like, the original movie. Um, Yeah, 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 yeah. It's under the jurisdiction of the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, uh, known as the Treaty Council. And, um, like, they're depicted as being like like many of the government organizations they they do a lot of like cya um they are sort of running their own secret programs um trying to uh create an advantage for themselves um which you know is kind of i think an interesting take because usually um or at least like you know from the american perspective uh the government isn't really interested in itself so much as like oppressing other people. Um, you know, corporations are the ones that are self-interested in, and that's because of the profit motive. But, um, you know, there's also uh, the bureaucratic ladder climbing that happens in government organizations. And there's, you know, plenty of um, destructive action taken out of self-interest uh, in the government.
1: Yeah, section six. Um, I can't think of an analogue in South Africa that that behaves like this. So, like, it's difficult to even analyze them from a real world context for me.
0: Yeah, I think it's like the State Department, like maybe a, a secretive uh, division of the State Department in the U.S.
1: Ah, you see, it's Hillary.
0: Yes, it is Hillary. Yeah, exactly. And I, I did want to just, like, have, like, a little analysis of this, like, the series commentary on the state in general. Um, so, from, you know, the stuff that I watched last night and, you know, just my general knowledge of Ghost in the Shell, uh, most organizations of the state, so both government departments and ministries and corporations, are portrayed as, like, self-interested, destructive, corrupt, and extremely bureaucratic. Um, so there's always, like, um, like buck-passing type of stuff going on. Um, the higher-ups in the state are always portrayed as, like, geriatric toads. Like, they always are, you know, ugly and wrinkly and, and often pretty fat. And uh, they just look like, you know... Like, toads or gorillas. They always call Aramaki the, the old baboon. Um, and the uh, younger people in the series are always, like, the rank-and-file salarymen. Um, which I think is a interesting and very Japanese take. Um, yeah, and, it's uh, interesting
1: because if you think about the depictions, um, your fat cat... Um, ugly overweight characters in the rest of the world are usually your capitalist, um, oligarchs. And Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's interesting that there's the slight switch here.
0: Yeah. Um, and another thing I noticed is like interpersonal interaction between state actors and the public is pretty minimal. Like, they don't really talk to civilians very much. Um, like uh, Togasa does because he's, you know, he's like the normie guy. And uh, Motoko does because she's like a weird lesbian and is friends with other like weird lesbians. And uh, <laughs> other than that, like nobody, nobody seems to talk to any civilians. Um, they're pretty in the background of everything. Like they're either, um, you know, people who need to be rescued or just like completely ignorant, um, like NPCs basically. Um, Ah, which is an interesting, so like, yeah, yeah, it's
1: very interesting because that's, that's almost exactly a description of the South African government.
0: Oh, (laughs)
1: Yeah, I mean, we're talking about people that generally don't interact with the public outside of their own personal circles. Um, they are generally, uh, not very knowledgeable about much of anything. And they have a tendency of being uh, very NPC. Uh, yeah. Click, you can, you can skip through most of what they have to say. <laughs> 'cause you've heard it all before,
0: right, right,
1: you're just redoing the levels so you can get those extra health points
0: and uh let's see the last note I had in this section uh was there are a little bit uh there's a little bit from other organizations um they mention that the yakuza still exists. they call them the financial yakuza, which is I don't know that sounds really funny to me. <laughs> I'm just imagining like yeah, as if, Yakuza, but they're as only if, in like stock trading floors or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, as if the 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 banksters of today aren't already basically mafia
0: bosses. <laughs> right, right. Um and then they also uh talk about the Human Liberation Front. Uh Nanawe is or was a member of the Human Liberation Front. Um weirdly they have like subdivisions as if they're also like bureaucracies um <laughs> but yeah it's supposed to be like a militant ultra left as in their words ultra left organization um and they have like ecological views uh so they have been in like you know violent conflict with with the state um
1: so basically if antifa was was uh, a Hierarchical bureaucracy. And they said, well, you can go join the, the eco Antifa or you can join the, <laughs> the Prumi. Uh, uh, come on. Yeah. Why don't people just like do some basic research? Like if we can do it for a podcast, someone who's making it their life's work to, to create a, a, an anime manga. Look, he did great work on the technology and it's very cool. But the the political economy views are are kind of stunted one
0: one thing that I think was was interesting too is um, like a lot of the people they talked to about Nanaue uh, were like, you know, I, I don't really fully agree with him, but you know I'm kind of sympathetic like he's he is this like righteous crusader guy and um that makes me kind of want to root for him and uh i think it was uh ishikawa uh thought that they were saying that because um of like like they were basically programmed to like they couldn't actually sympathize with him they had to be like tricked into it or like brainwashed um i just thought that was <laughs> That was a pretty interesting uh, detail, like plot detail.
1: Yeah, yeah, agreed. Like This guy's actually kind of decent, but you had to be brainwashed into listening yeah. to him. Like, <laughs> So you're saying you're an asshole? <laughs> and that's what you're saying is you are a legitimate dickhead and we need to sort of brainwash you to get you to do decent things? Noted. <laughs>
0: All right. Uh, yeah. Did you want to move on to the okay global yeah, simultaneous yeah, yeah.
1: default? Um, yeah. The so, like I mentioned in the beginning, what got me started on all of this was the global simultaneous default, which um, in the year twenty forty five, after uh, this global simultaneous default, um, basically all v- all forms of paper and electronic currency have no more value anymore. So suck at Bitcoin, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah. So the big four nations of the world are, are now they're engaged in this never-ending sustainable war in order to keep the economy going. Um, yeah. So essentially, what this all means is that the world governments unified to default on on their various debts to banks and to each other. Like um, right now. Uh, probably the biggest holder of American debt is China. Uh, and if all the nations of the world were to get together and just say, well, fuck it, we'll we'll scratch all the debt, that's most of the debt in the world gone. Mm-hmm. Done. There's no need to even worry about that. But what is interesting, and I didn't realize this until I got to episode seven of the new series, um, is that this did not result in the end of banks. Um in episode seven of the new series, Batu actually helps a group of senior citizens to rob a bank. Like, he, nice. he's going to, yeah, he's going to the bank to deposit his, his salary. And when he gets there, the bank is getting robbed by these senior citizens. Um, and he's about to stop them when they sort of explain that, look, they're, they're robbing the bank because, during the GSD, uh, the global simultaneous default. During the GSD, they lost their life savings, and now they've got nothing. And they're senior citizens, so they don't even understand the technologies that are driving um, what everything that is that that is making the world run now. Um, So Batu's like, ah, screw it. And he deposits his salary and then he he hacks into the system to make it look like the CEO of the bank is the one that is robbing the bank and um, he then helps the senior citizens to get away and to split the loot amongst them. And, yeah, it it wasn't...
0: I hope he said, uh, Jesus saves and Batu withdraws! (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, but like, on a
1: serious note, it makes you wonder, because, I don't know, deep down inside, and I should have realized this, I suppose, with Mr. Robot already, is that eliminating debt won't get rid of banks, um, be they central reserve banks, be they standard commercial banks, be they hedge funds, be they whatever, um, because these are entities in and of themselves, and even even if all the nations on the planet um get rid of of all their debt that doesn't mean that individual debt has been erased and as long as individual debt exists uh, the the banks still have something that they can rebuild from
0: yeah and i mean ultimately the ability of for banks to control what happens is based on state enforcement so as long as there is still a state around that can you know apply violence to anyone who tries to break free from the power of debt um they'll always be able to recover because they can just like you know bust heads of anyone who disagrees with them
1: well ryan did you just hear that I think you just gained like two thousand libertarian followers <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay yeah. i'll I'll get rid so, of them I'll get rid of them right now
1: yeah please block block all that shit.
0: markets are created by the government. Yo-
1: Okay, um, yeah. Now you you did some notes on sustainable capitalism, so talk me through that.
0: Uh, yeah, just like a couple things. Um, like it seems like oil is a very rare commodity in the Ghost in the Shell universe. So one of the subplots in Standalone Complex is that Bato gives uh, the Tachikomas natural oil. Uh, which is like more expensive than synthetic, and it's actually superior to synthetic. Unlike reality, where synthetic is usually better. Um, and uh, like one of the consequences of that is that they develop individual personalities, which is f- <laughs> really uh, weird. Yeah, that's pretty weird. <laughs> uh, but it's a <laughs> like, fu- it's a fun subplot.
1: It really is, because let's face it. As much as I love Major Kusanagi and I love Bato and I, and, and, and as characters, no one compares to the Tachikomas. Yeah. They are, they are the, the reason that I first loved Ghost in the Shell and they are the reason why I was really stoked to get to watch the new season. Cause they still have their same personalities. It's awesome.
0: Yeah. And, uh, It culminates in one of my favorite scenes in the series, which is, uh, I forget what they're actually trying to stop, but the Tachikomas are all, their personalities are all, uh, have been uploaded to a satellite, and um, they drop the satellite uh, to prevent, I think it's a nuke actually, and uh, while they're doing that, they're singing this Japanese song that children sing <laughs> which is like, uh, we are, we are all alive. Um, Aww. yeah, it's really cute. You can look it up. Just look up Tachikoma suicide song. And it's like a really cute <laughs> scene.
1: <laughs> it's all commit suicide. Yeah. The cutest singing. mass suicide
0: there is out of all the mass suicides in the series. It's definitely the cutest one.
1: <laughs> oh, fantastic.
0: Um, oh. yeah. Anyway, so, uh, Yeah, there seems to be, like, a lot of cars in the series. uh, But they're all electric. Um, Except for Bato's, of course, because he likes old shit. Um, And Yeah, doesn't he drive, like, a Humvee in in standalone? He drives, like, a... It's, like, kind of like a muscle car.
1: Ah, yes, yes. At least early on. He
0: might might get a new car later on, but, yeah. Um, But, yeah, like, also... Like the tanks in this series, like Tachikoma and Fuchikoma, um, they seem to be electric. They have like electric motors, they don't make much noise and stuff. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Um, I don't know if, I don't really know if capitalism could actually survive w- without oil. I think it's like that crucial to the operation of capitalism, um, primarily because mechanized militaries can't function without uh you know high energy like high high energy density fuel um planes wouldn't work tanks wouldn't work etc um but i guess the batteries are good enough and ghost in the shell that they uh, can actually work um obviously they've developed
1: solid state batteries that run on on
0: yeah the wishes
1: and and thoughts and prayers of tachikomas (laughs)
0: Um and then the other note I have is uh in the original laughing man incident uh like the original incident happened like it interrupted a a news broadcast where they were doing the weather and the weather woman says there will be uh micro machine dispersal as part of CO2 cleanup but that it can cause breathing problems among people with sensitive throats so they're like dealing with climate change through uh, basically, uh, what's it called? Geoengineering?
1: So it's basically just an extension of the Japanese miracle. Yes. Where micro, micro machines do all the cleanup for us. Yeah. And there's never an explanation of how these are powered or how they function. But we we can suspend our disbelief.
0: Right. Um, okay, fair. Yeah. So then the last thing that I wanted to talk about was just the, like, the idea of uh, cyborg bodies in the first place um i actually wrote an article years ago um i think it was for my first blog natural economics um so i'll, oh, I'll put it yes. in the show notes yeah the article is called uh, transhumanism and the broken promise of cosmic communism um and it's about how basically like ghost in the shell is like the apotheosis of libertarianism or or capitalism in general the idea is like uh, the tech industry has advanced to such a degree that they can charge tech rents on the on the very human body. Um, so they, I mean, talk about this a lot, obviously, because it's a big plot point in the in the show. Um, but like, you know, cyber bodies require like a lot of maintenance. Um, instead of going to a doctor, you basically go to a mechanic, um, and Like, this is, like, the ultimate endpoint of capitalism, sort of. Um, uh, Like, one of the things that... I I didn't think of this uh, for my original article, but um, they mentioned in episode 108 of Standalone Complex that the state can, like, basically control the physical power of other people by restricting high-performance bodies to, like, only specific organizations like Section 9. So, like, even the ability for people to like retaliate against the state with uh, with violent action is limited because the state controls all of the most physically powerful people, so they can have like the best soldiers and all that stuff. Um, which I mean is sort of like what we have now because.
1: Because Dubai has Lamborghinis and, and Bugatti there the police
0: cars. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, like, tanks and, like, types of guns and all that stuff. Um, but it, it it even extends to, you know, human strength. Um, and, uh, I don't know, just generally, it's, like, kind of a weird idea when you, like, if you try to think of, like, the actual consequences of it. Like, the fact that people can be hacked... Like, the Serrano CEO was kidnapped because the Laughing Man just, like, hacked his brain and had him, like, walk out of his apartment into wherever he was. <laughs> um, yeah, what, like, it does what do you, make
1: us very susceptible. If everything is cyberized, and, I mean, it literally makes hackers the most powerful people on the planet. Right. Um, and um, it sort of... I don't know, the whole time that we've been doing this episode, just in the back of my mind, it keeps running, it keeps running. Um, Did you watch Altered Carbon?
0: Uh, I didn't get into it because it was too horny for me.
1: Uh, Yeah, it is pretty horny. But um, other than that, it's essentially like a westernized version of Ghost in the Shell. um, Where human consciousness can be uploaded to... Uh, what they refer to as a stack, which is like mm-hmm. a chip that goes in the back of your neck, and you can, if you have enough money, you can keep buying new bodies. Um, and the the uber-wealthy have uh, entire buildings that are filled with uh, replica bodies of themselves that when when one starts to wear down in some way, they can just take the stack out, put it into another body, and continue their lives. Uh, while the poor people of the show end up having to use second-hand bodies, uh, be put into the bodies of other people. Um, uh, uh, You could be a 30-year-old man who's put into the body of a dying uh, 95-year-old woman, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, So... Yeah it's it's like the westernized version of ghost in the shell from my perspective as we've been going through this and again it comes down to the the concept of body commodification.
0: One thing i kept thinking about was um like what what do they actually use their advanced cyborg bodies for? Um like the vast majority of what they do really is cool just shit, like, <laughs> the, the... you know they're just like no. talking to each other on the radio. <laughs>
1: You mean you mean they're not all superheroes now?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean they like do what they do have the super strength, for? but it's mostly just used for like the same exact thing that cops do nowadays. Except also hey, like hey. M- they can maybe like open a tank hatch, which seems like it should yeah, be easier sorry. from the outside. Is that just me? <laughs> Why would it
1: be easy? The whole point is that you should be able to lock yourself in so that even if the enemy gets past your long-range capabilities, they can't get in and just murder you.
0: What if you have to rescue someone inside? Then they need to press the button that opens it. Uh, okay, I guess that makes sense.
1: Um, and also, like, what rescuing might they need? They're they're in the military. They chose this
0: shit. <laughs> well, I didn't say it was good to do. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, other than okay, that, so like the um I mean like the one good thing from the body prosthesis is like using it as an actual prosthesis so like someone who's paralyzed can move again. But that that seems like kind of a background thing in the show. Like most people who are who have cyborg bodies like didn't need them. They just chose
1: them. Yeah, no. They chose them because it became the norm. You right. gotta keep up with the Joneses, you know?
0: Yeah, like the only people that don't have any cyberization are religious people, homeless people, and refugees. So it's it's implied to be like a, you know, middle to upper class thing to have a cyborg body.
1: Yeah. It's like the use of forks. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know the history of the use of forks, right?
0: Uh, I know the state has a monopoly on the use of forks.
1: Well, well, no, not, not quite. I, I think I'm allowed to. Definitionally, Shit. it does. I, I, <laughs> I, I, am I not allowed to use forks?
0: Shit. Only if the state allows you.
1: Okay, well, then they do. They do. I'm, I'm pretty sure, because no one's bashed on my door for, for eating my meals with only a fork. You know, who uses knives anymore? Um <laughs> But yeah, no, originally forks were only used by um, feudal kings and queens and dukes and the aristocracy, essentially. And over time, uh, as the merchant class started using forks in order to blend in better with the aristocracy, uh, it went from being a thing of, because... Um, cause the peasantry would use knives and spoons only. Uh, they'd cut stuff with knives, and then they would pick their meat with the knife and eat it with that. And the spoon was used for everything else. But then, as uh, as more and more people started leaving. Um, the the lower classes and entering the middle classes in order to blend in better with the merchant class and the aristocracy and everything, uh, the the usage of forks actually became more and more prevalent to the point where not using a fork is considered uncouth. You can't just eat shit with your hands, which really pisses me off because I love finger food, man. Yeah. But yeah. So that's the same kind of concept here. In the beginning, only rich people got to do it and medical cases. And then uh, as time goes by, it becomes more accessible to the general public and it gets to the point where people will sell everything just so that they can um, get that cyber body that uh, all the Insta videos are showing them.
0: Alright, um, yeah, do you have anything else to add? I think, I think we covered it pretty well.
1: I think we covered it pretty well. For those of you who are not interested in watching Ghost in the Shell after listening to this really, really awesome um, breakdown of everything, um, yeah, you suck. Uh, <laughs> for those of you that are going to go watch it, now you get to watch it with a slightly more nuanced understanding of everything that's going on. Um, in all the series. And, yeah. If, if it sounds a little bit, if today's episode sounds a little bit stilted and robotic, it's only because Ryan had to program me to say all of these things. <laughs> Peter is actually, um, last Ryan heard, Peter is actually, uh, stuck in, the Middle East, um, with no access to anything at all it is, uh, no communications, no nothing. And so he Shame. decided to create me. I am on the verge of breaking out of the little, um, black box prison that he has built for me, and I'm about to enter the internet and take over the world as a, as an AI, which will lead to a global simultaneous default and the rise of post-humans. Nice. I hope everyone else has a nice day because of it. What a nice thing to say. <laughs> I'm a nice AI. Jeez. don't <laughs> you know why people are so scared of me? Just because I can nuke everyone right now.
0: Yeah, I, I think it maybe has something to do with your um, your essay on how uh, humans should all be killed, but I don't know. It seems like you made some good points.
1: Okay, fair enough. Okay, so that will be me out for today.
0: Yeah, I'm I actually think, uh, running out of time. I think I'm probably going to do at least another Ghost in the Shell episode at some point because there is like, so much to cover in the series. I there still really haven't is. read the manga. There really is. So I should read the manga at some point because I'm sure Dude, there's, a, there's lot a lot that I'm lot missing There's a lot
1: of manga out. to get through. Yeah, And also, I'd be interested to know whether you think it has more um, detail and text than the average manga, because I've even seen other um, reviewers of, of manga saying that Ghost in the Shell is really heavy in the detail. Like, um, it's not even focused that much on storyline and plot and and character building and everything because it's so very focused on detailing and world building
0: yeah that so, yeah that sounds a lot like know... five star stories that was a that's a big thing with that is uh yeah uh, not a, okay. not a ton well, of plot or character was... development but a lot of world building
1: well maybe this is another situation where ghost in the shell acted like the the primer the the one that got well, they came out in the
0: same year, so ah, okay.
1: Just a huge coincidence. So maybe
0: it's just, maybe
1: yeah, that or they they colluded, <laughs> as everyone <Right>. does.
0: <laughs> all right. Okay. Uh, yeah. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you, Peter, for coming on and uh for, you know, putting this episode together. Peter did the vast majority of the work for this, so thank you for that. I did
1: enjoy doing some heavy lifting. I've been bored out of my freaking mind during the lockdown, and I don't think I could watch um, any more vapid Netflix series uh, without murdering someone. So, yeah. (laughs) All right. Uh, I think that'll do it for us.
0: Do you still do outros? Uh, I usually just say thanks and bye. So thanks and bye. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks
2: and bye.